Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Warfall Podcast. Today you'll be listening to myself, Mark Hirons, and Dylan Mengus. Dylan is someone that I really respect, and I first met him at Creative South um, after being on the podcast on the 20th episode. And we talk about some really important topics on this podcast. First of all, consulting. I go deep into the world of design consulting and how to deal with clients, what questions to ask, that sort of thing, um, and who can do it as well, and is there any qualifications on, on who uh, actually can consult properly. We also talk about getting meaning from that conversation. What tips and things can you pick up on from that conversation of a client, how to create an actual concept, an actual design with an idea rather than just a pretty picture. We end the podcast with a little bit of a deep chat and Dylan talks about getting out of your normal environment and how that's helped him and it impacted his design work. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast and without further ado, let's get into the show. According to Cloud, perfect. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We episode 20 last time. Uh, you know, the, like we talked about before with the birds going off in the background, but it's all good. Get some good answers. <laughs> If, any, if anybody's watching this and saw that last one with the birds, I'm going to just apologize now, right now, at the beginning of the podcast for that stupid bird that was on my front porch. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't believe we didn't pick up on it. Like you say, in the, in the start of the episode or like throughout the episode, we didn't stop it or like go inside or anything. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> uh, so today I'd, I'd like to know a bit more about consulting. Like with you, I, I found on your website that you do a bit more consulting. Um, and I don't. I haven't really spoken to anyone about this and what what it entails and what's included in it. So, like, what is it? What is, what is consulting for design? For us, consulting is a, is a couple of things, but primarily, it's it, it is what it says. I'm going to sit down with a, with a client, and the the big takeaway is I'm going to ask them questions that they're not going to think of, or hopefully, ask them things that they're just they're not thinking of in some way. Um, obviously design is our focus in those exercises, but sometimes it's going to go a little deeper and wider than just talking about what their, let's say what their preferences for design is. Anybody can ask that question, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into their story a lot of the time, or at least some level of their story, because that often informs what we pursue in terms of design for them, or perhaps it's the story for their customers, which is sometimes even more important, of course. Like, so to backpedal just a second, you, you've got potentially a job for their identity, for them as a business, obviously then their story is critical. Or we're designing something for their audience, so then I need to know that audience story, who that demographic is. So, you know, a lot of the things that, a lot of those questions without breaking them all down in detail are, when you hear them, pretty straightforward things. And yet, that's the great role of a, hopefully a good consultant is that we're just invited to a conversation that helps them unpack some stuff that they haven't thought of before now. Right. Right. And what sort of questions are you asking? If you don't mind me, if you don't mind sharing a few. Well, again, there's, there's uh, it depends on what they're trying to achieve. Right. So like all things that I do at Mengus design, the, the line of questions is going to be custom to whatever that agenda is or whatever that uh, desired outcome is. So again, go back to we're designing an identity for them as a client. Um, I want to know how the business got started. And uh, I want to just try to unpack who they are as people, where they're coming from uh, in terms of what happened before this business. I mean, you could really spend hours just trying to unpack the story of how they got to where they are now. And then in addition to that, there's, there's always a really helpful, if people are willing to talk about it, 
there's always a helpful set of questions around what are your pain points now? What are the things that you're struggling with? So talking through that. And then there's another great line of questioning around things like where do you see yourself in a year or in five years? Because a year is, a, you know, if you think about it, I know this is, you and I are a little different, Nate, just a smidge. But when you ask somebody what you expect to do in a year, yeah. it's just, it goes, so, it goes by so much more quickly when you get older, trust me. So I like to do the five-year thing and say, where do you see yourself in five years? I think 10 years is actually for most everyone I ever talked to is way too far out for anyone to even remotely predict what might happen in 10 years. But five is something you can set goals to. So when I throw out questions like that, when I first started doing it, I thought, well, these are dumb because anybody could come up with these questions. But the reality is people just don't make the time to unpack those questions. That's just a, that's a fear thing. It's a, it's a time management thing. It's all kinds of things that keep us from sitting down and having that conversation with somebody. So that's where my role can hopefully be helpful is to sit down and say, let's, let's break this stuff up and, and unpack it again and see where we land. It's a painful process sometimes, sometimes. because right. you get into questions where you just realize by that person's facial reaction that they don't want to go down that road. And you just have to know how to definitely sidestep some things. And it's okay. You get what you can get in order to accomplish that goal of that design project. And, and how do you get people to talk though? Because, like you say, it can be some people don't really want to do it, or, or like, are people in America quite receptive to talking about the, their business and what they've done in their past? Or because over here, I found that I've got problems with going down that route of getting people on a call and uh, and actually get them to explain it because it seems like it's not really needed. Yeah, that's that's difficult sometimes because what you're asking you're asking a stranger to, to reveal things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can be difficult. I, that's why sometimes these things take a couple, three sessions. Um, I think it's unfair for anyone to sit down as a consultant and just open up this bucket of questions right away. I think it's often best to ease into it. Maybe, maybe you have lunch or coffee beforehand, maybe twice. You know, just just see if it's a good relationship fit with that person before you ask them to. You know, okay, let's unpack two or three hours. I did one last year that was a two-hour session. Uh, all men, all white men, whatever that's worth in the room, all, how do I put this nicely? Um, type A personalities, kind of silverback eight types, which I recognize because I can be that way too. And it was a challenge because everyone was so eager to be heard. And I could quickly see that how they were positioning themselves against each other in the room that it was just really hard to get much done. And I realized we got what we got after a couple hours, but I felt like I had failed a little bit because I didn't think about that environment and that audience. And I knew who they were to some extent, but I wasn't privy to detailed information about those guys. So again, when it was all done, I thought, I don't know if I got really what I needed out of that one, but I asked for a second session. They said budget wouldn't accommodate. So it was kind of a, you know, less than successful engagement, to tell you the truth. But to go back to the, what I think the reason was, one of the reasons I failed to make that as good as it could have been was that I allowed too many people in the room. Um, and it's a, it's a rule that I have with almost every single job that I take, and has been true with every single job that I take, actually, where I want to know who the key stakeholders are. I think you and I talked about this before. I want to know who that, who that single stakeholder is in a relationship. That's the person I want to talk to. If it's a husband-wife team, which a project I did recently was like that, um, I would prefer to have both of them in the room. And that's that's how I, I like to roll with those kind of things. So 
but going back to something else you said in terms of how the process works, I don't think there's any shortage of need for people to be heard or want the want to be heard in the U.S. And I, I saw this on 60 Minutes, Janet and I, my wife and I were watching this during the election a couple years ago, where a guy who does polling for, has been doing polling for 20 years in America said, there's never been a time like this that he's seen in 20 years of doing it, where people are so desperate to be heard. Hmm. And he showed examples of people from the same political party talking over each other, shouting over each other in order to be heard. No conversation. No, no one wants to listen. So applying that to things like consulting, the reality is people love to tell their story and they love to be heard. And so I'm doing a remarkably bad job of listening right now. I'm doing a lot of talking. In a consultant situation, I do as little talking as I can. Yeah, and with when it does go bad, like like you had that session with all the men, the second one you said didn't really help either. So what happens after that? Then do you just say, I didn't get much out of the sessions and I can't really move forward with the project? Or Yeah, so the, what, what happened specifically in that one was I, I, sat, I did cordon off that key stakeholder, actually two, all right. and, said, and sent back a document and said, this is where we arrived. These are the questions, of course, we knew we were pursuing because those were agreed to, those expectations were set beforehand. We didn't answer all of them to the extent that I'd like to answer them. Um, would you guys please review my notes? Keep me honest, make sure that I've captured what uh, you heard in the room. Please send feedback and edits to those, those comments, that document, and tell me how you'd like to proceed. And then I said, I would prefer to have another session with, a fewer, with fewer people in the room would you guys like to proceed that way? And that's when they said, well, budget's not going to accommodate that. Okay. However, ultimately the question was, do we have what we need to proceed? And they said, yes, we feel like we have what we need to proceed. And we did. Okay. And, you know, I, I turned around a particular product. Truthfully, I won't show. I, I don't think it was the best work I've ever done. In three and a half years, there have been a couple of projects, two projects in particular, that uh, I'm not terribly proud of. And I, I can look back on both of those and see my own errors and how those errors drove a less than stellar product at the end. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. With, with consulting, do you think it's something that you do more when you're a bit more experienced and a bit older, and then you can charge for it and you feel a bit justified? Because I find that a lot of young designers that don't, as I've spoken to at least, they don't feel like they can charge for it yet. They don't feel like they feel confident charging for it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's, it's pretty hard to sit down with somebody with, who's writing the paycheck and saying, I'm an expert and I'm 20, no offense, but, um, that's a hard thing to sell. Uh, and there, I know a few people here in town who are young cats who are in their early 20s or mid-20s or even late 20s. You know, it might just be an old and jaded to say that they're not experts because they're not as old as me. I don't know. I hope not. I, uh, what I do is I look at the caliber of their work and I ask myself, could I bring that person on to Mangus Design? pass the red face test and say, this guy can consult with you on matters of design. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you one of my easiest filters that, that keeps frankly, all of those guys out of that potential uh, opportunity is I see still, unfortunately, a lot of younger designers who are saying, here's my concept. And the reality is it's a nice piece of design, but there is no concept there. Hmm. And it's remarkable to me that there are so, so many still saying, you know, professing, this is a concept, here's my concept, whatever that whatever they presented. And I look at it over and over and say the same thing. I see great design, actually, 
you guys are hitting all, you know, all pistons firing on the tenets of good design, but there's no idea there. And here's a good way to, here's a good way to give you a concrete example without naming names, because I don't do that. You know me, I don't, I'm not in a gossip, and I don't want to um, malign anybody. I see a design for um, like a, a national park, you know, outdoor design type thing. And it's got mountains and, you know, sky, and it's got a badge-like thing on it and all that. Here's the problem, and I see this so often. I could take the name of the park that's attached to that thing, I can delete it, I can add a different park name on it. In fact, I can add about 25 different park names on it and it wouldn't matter because there's no idea there. Right. There's an even, even uh, easier target. There's no visual element there that ties that particular design project to that particular park that they're trying to name and associate with. In other words, the park has no way to, there's nothing defensible about that design for that particular park. And I can take that example and go across all kinds of identities where the identities look nice. And again, they do all kinds of things well in terms of design but there's no idea there or there's nothing defensible or nothing ownable about that thing to that particular entity that they're trying to make, that they're trying to defend for. Yeah, yeah. So a um, bit of a tangent there, but if I'm going to consult with somebody, these are the rules that I play by and I will not deliver something to a client that deviates from that rule. I will give you an idea that you can own. You can see you can hold it up and say, as you can see, this is truly our design because and it doesn't mean it's overcomplicated or overdesigned. There's so many little design details in there, like the park example. There's so many little details about the park that are so specific to the park that now you get this horribly complicated, convoluted, horrible design that nobody wants to look at because it's way too detailed. I'm not saying that. But what is that one thing that everybody goes, you know, when you go to Yosemite, that's the thing. Mm. So, or when you go to this particular park, you know, there's a water tower. In that, in, that, in that park that is iconic in that park. Well, shouldn't that be part of the design? So they've oh yeah, they can know what that image attaches to without even seeing the name. That's what I'm getting at. So again, same with consulting. Um, we wanna get to a place with the, with the consulting exercise that helps that person walk away with something that is ownable and defensible for them as an entity, period. If we're not doing that, we're just having a, I hope we're having a nice conversation about design. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's, Probably because people don't understand the word concept as well. Like younger designers, maybe they're just saying, they say that word concept, concept but they don't understand that it has to have meaning and they're using it as a, here's a nice design, here's a concept, here's a nice design that I've created. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you mind if we just try without the headphones again? I just want to sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. How's that? You still so, hearing that street noise? It's still, but you're like, your voice is louder now, which is strange, but that'll, be, that'll, that'll do. We'll do it without the headphones. Okay. <laughs> do it without the headphones. It's really weird. I'll see, we'll see what happens for the next 10 minutes or so. <laughs> so for people that are watching, there's a, my office, I was telling Mark earlier, my office is on a, the busiest, one of the busiest streets in Columbus, Ohio, and incredible, it's rush hour as we're talking, and there's an incredible amount of traffic right outside this window, uh, right outside that window, yeah. um, two lanes deep, four lanes deep, actually, up and down the street, so, sorry. Knock <laughs> <I'm> it off. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, See, so yeah, what, what else do you look for in a story? Uh, in, a, in, a, in a story about a creative, someone who's created a business, um, is there any examples you can look, you can give to to say this is where the idea came from? And uh, yeah, how how do you pick out the ideas and the potential ideas from from the stories? One of my favorite examples from last year was a there's a restaurant here in Columbus, Ohio called Sweet Carrot, and Sweet Carrot is an independently owned restaurant. There's it's now a chain here in Columbus. There are three locations and the theme throughout each sweet carrot restaurant is rabbits. That's the simplest way to put it. 
And in each of the three restaurants, there's some additional layer of how, excuse me, how the rabbits are shown or how they operate visually. So the last one I just did was a circus theme. So rabbits plus circus was the theme of the, of the restaurant. Right. And, uh, and that was really, really fun. I did some work, big mural stuff outside of the main restaurant. But the restaurant before that was that the theme was still rabbits. And it wasn't, there wasn't really a, a central sub layer like circus. So it was pretty open. And I was asked to do the bathrooms. And I thought, hmm, who did I upset that I got stuck with the bathrooms, you know, in the, in the range of artists that are contributing to this space? Which wasn't the reality. But just the reality was those were needed to be done. So in terms of getting to the story and the, and the idea and all that for the job, I just started doing what I try to do as a consultant, which is ask questions that I try to get myself to ask questions that I don't expect to, to think about. I'm not thinking about it front. And one of those was just assessing the situation or assessing what I was dealing with. And one of those criteria, one of those conditions that came out of that assessment, a quick assessment was this is a closed small space, each of the bathrooms, hmm. which is true of most restaurants. So I used that as a track to say, what, how do you, how do you deal with a closed space? And that led me to think about, well, if rabbits is the theme and small spaces is one of the conditions, what if this was a rabbit hole? What if I walk, what if instead of a bathroom, I walk in and realize I'm in an actual rabbit hole. And that was the big aha moment. So from there, I thought, well, to, to really illustrate that, wouldn't it be fun if I could convince the owner to put, I could draw a hole on the ceiling and then have two little rabbits looking down through the hole. So when you walk in the bathroom, you're like, you realize, oh, I'm in that hole. I'm in that rabbit hole. And then I thought, well, Remember those old ant farm things? You ever seen these ant farm things? Uh, yeah. Glass, right? Uh, two pieces of glass, poor sand, the ants dig down in, you got all these little tiny yeah. uh, trails and holes where the ants are doing things. Well, I thought, well, what if we did that in a rabbit-like theme? So now you're not just walking in and looking down through a hole and I'm in a singular rabbit hole. What if on the walls there was this ant farm view of all these other rabbit stories going on? Mm. So it turned into this idea on top of ideas because now I had to come up with little storylines for each one of those rabbit holes as you come down and inside each of the spaces. So each bathroom has multiple storylines built into it. So you walk into this, what's kind of fun about the bathrooms is, not kind of fun, it is fun, I have to say. You walk in and it's kind of one of these moments because you didn't expect to walk in and get all that. Uh, and it even gets a little dark. Like one of the one of the holes at the bottom, actually, one of the middle holes is a rabbit taking a bath. And so the bottom of that trail going out of that hole is plugged up with a cork so that the rabbit can fill it with water and, and then float and do its little sudsy bath. Well, down below that rabbit hole, connected to the bath hole, is a, is a room of school children rabbits doing an art lesson. And one of the little rabbits is walking over towards the cork and reaching up toward it like they're going to pull it. Of course, the reality is if that little rabbit pulls the cork, they're all going to drown. And it's horribly dark. And I went to the owner, and I, these are just sketches. And I went to the owner, I said, this is kind of weird and super dark, actually, in terms of the implication. She's like, I love it. This isn't Disneyland. Let's do it. <laughs> I thought it was cool. So it's, there are so many little details like that in, the, in, the, on both, in both bathrooms that it's hard to go in there and just take a pee and not get stuck for an extra minute and look around for at least a few seconds. Yeah, yeah. 
So if I can, and as you can tell, I'm excited about that job. It was really fun to do. Angela Petro, the owner, is wonderful to work with. And Jen Stevens, who runs mid-design here in town, I have to mention her because she brought me into the job, introduced me to Angela. To be able to tell a richer story like that is such a blessing to, to you know, not only to, to make the time, critical factor here, make the time to think slowly through the ideas. Don't rush it be in that space, you know, and just slow down a bit and then have an owner who is willing to take a little bit of a risk and invest because that job was not cheap, but invest in the time it will take to draw all these things out. Mm. Um, that's, that's a really tremendous blessing. And uh, I hope that answers the question. I'm yeah. You a long answer here. No, I, I think I just want to understand why around around the what makes consulting or how important is it to design because obviously it's important to get those ideas out and that impacts the design but then that story sort of i can't help but think it's coming from your own head a little bit as well not just the story of of the uh, the restaurant because you like if you look at a lot of your illustration work it's all sort of that crazy start that crazy that world like not real not real world like these tentacles come out of people's hands and stuff um so that rabbit with the bath and, and everything like that. It's all sort of tied into that sort of crazy world. Uh, yeah, so Janet, well, Janet said over the years that she said, you know, your stuff always has a little bit of darkness to it. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Actually, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story. Speaking of stories. So uh, I'm doing the job, the sweet carrot job. First bathroom, first wall. Yeah. Drawings are approved. I've mapped a drawing onto the wall. It's about uh, nine feet by six feet wide, something like that. Nine by five, nine by six. and while I'm doing this job, the, the restaurant's being completed. So there's construction guys everywhere. And of course, I'm in a bathroom. So there's a guy in there setting up pipes and things like that. And there's, you know, mirrors being hung and all that. For a small space, it was a pretty busy space. But I've got all of the black line work done. And all I have to do is step out of the room, step back in, rattle can my clear coat and a couple coats. It's sealed, we're safe, we move on to the next wall. That's the process, okay? Because it's a black and white, basically a black and white uh, drawing on a two-tone background. So as I step off of this finished wall to get the clear coat can, I step out of the room and I hear this whoosh. And I turn around and in the second, like literally five seconds it took for me to step off that ladder, hear that sound and turn around. What happened was the guy behind me was putting in the main water gasket um, for the toilet, the brand new toilet that was being installed. When you think about a gasket, which is of course a 360 degree rubber device, it has 360 degrees in which it can fail. This particular gasket failed forcefully exactly in the direction of what the wall I had just finished, like a fire hydrant going off. And in the seconds it took me to turn around, it was raining black ink down the wall, completely ruined. How long was that? How, long that? How much work was that? About eight hours of drawing. So think about, you know, eight hours on that wall and then a second wall and actually in that bathroom, there were were two main walls. So yeah, a lot of work. And um, my old Marine Corps self came back into play for a minute because I just very quickly, this series of violent reactions to the situation happened in my mind, you know, all targeted on him, the guy who was putting in the faulty, the gasket, which turned out thankfully to be faulty. It was one of those moments where I, you know, I had this, again, series of I'm going to hurt this guy. I'm so mad right now. Oh, to Lord, help me. Lord, help me just walk away from this. I was serious. I'm praying. Like, I need to just walk out of here. You know, Lord, help me. And I did. 
And I, I did turn to the guy and I said, I, I'm leaving for the day. And he saw a look on my face, saw that I was, clearly saw that I was livid. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. I said, it's cool. And I just thought, it's not cool. Get out of here. And then I found out later that the, the, the gasket was, was obviously faulty. It wasn't his fault. So I'm so thankful yeah. that, you know, God gave me a, a moment of restraint. And I grabbed my jacket and walked out. Anyway, that's the, that's the story. So the best part of the story, the Daniel Mom story, is I went to the owner, Angela, and I said, I sent her a picture. I said, here's what happened. She, uh, she said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's not your apology to make, you know, but we need to start over. Literally everything. Repaint the wall, you know, kills it, seal it, uh, base coat times two, set up the white spots, and then redraw everything black. So basically like another 12 hours of work. She said, I'll cover it. I'll take care of it. Go ahead and restart. Who does that? I mean, what a great client to have, you know? How are you finding these good clients? Like, where do they come from? Or it just pops up? Man, I, this sounds like a cliche, but God is good. I mean, I, I that prayer plow thing that I talk about on Instagram, that's the, that's the truth. That's how I run this business. And if I'm not working, you know, head down, getting stuff done, I'm probably even in a little bit of desperation praying like, okay, God, I have no idea what to do next. Yeah. I just finished a monster 35 foot wall on two surfaces for uh, the, the power company here in the U.S. called AEP. They're one of the bigger power companies, at least inside of the Mississippi and across. Uh, but huge project. And the reality is I don't do sales. And that job ended and I thought, I got nothing going on in February. Nothing. And that little bit of panic sets in and then it's the prayer and plow mentality, man. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's next? Yeah. And I kid you not, within an hour, I got an email from a client who'd been kind of waffling about a job there. It's a big, I can't name it yet, but they're a big um, like insurance tech company to start up here in town. We just moved in and they said, Hey, remember that thing we were talking about? We want to pull the trigger on that. And then another uh, couple that owns a woodworking shop said, Hey, we're interested in doing some work. And another guy fed me some illustration work. That's a turn and burn this week. I mean, dude, come on, man. I mean, if you, you know, if you stack up the timing on this stuff, I'm sorry. It's not coincidence. It's all too intricate. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm grateful for it. Obviously. I mean, hopefully I show that. I mean, I, the worst thing I could do is not be grateful for that, but um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about a little bit about the, before the show. Well, I've, I've been waiting. Yeah. Well, like just carrying on doing for, for nine months now. And then finally like three projects come at once. Like maybe it was a test to my patience or something. I don't know. It's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's hard sometimes, but you got, yeah, you got to keep, like if you're, in, I have a lot, you're a lot uh, can't speak. A lot of younger designers are in that situation where they just don't get any work and nothing comes to them and nothing good happens and just keep putting stuff out there. And um, yeah, it does come, it does come eventually. Um, well, I, I love the forefather story about Jonathan. Right. What's that? Um, well, he. It's a quick story, but he was, he was a design. He is a designer, and uh, to to get things moving, he made up some work. He looked at some brands. I think some of them were actually established brands. I think actually maybe all of them were established brands. And he redesigned some things towards those brands, about those brands, and put that work on the web. And then Matthew, uh, the other, or one-third of, now one-third of forefathers, saw the site, said, hey, nice stuff. What are you doing? Who are you? They meet. And then uh, Amir comes into the picture, and then they form forefathers. That's the super short version of it. But all to say... John didn't sit around waiting for stuff. He just started making up stuff and said, I can design this better. And he did. And he put it out there. It's not a complicated formula, you know? 
but look at where these guys are. I mean, I, I think they're one of my, they not think, I mean, they are one of my favorite design outfits in, in the country. Yeah. Not only for the fact that they're super talented dudes, but uh, they also are independent like me and I highly respect that. So it's just a cool little story. And again, not complicated in terms of formula. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they got some good stuff going on. Um, to, to wrap up the consultancy thing, like, are, you, are you doing it just on other people's projects as well, or is it just your own stuff you do it for? What do you mean? So, are you doing consulting for just just generally just to find to help other people find out more about their business, or just to get people ideas, or is it just always for your own projects where you and you're taking the lead design on it? Oh, it's a mixed bag. Right. How, how are you finding doing it for other, other creatives when they're creating the outcome? I'm going to sound vague here, but it, it really just depends on what the outcome is. Um, I guess here's, a, here's a, maybe a better way to answer it. No matter what you're targeting, if you think about this, it's, it's, uh, the, the conditions around these conversations are always the same, which is a little scary to say that because it makes it sound like there's a generic process or an oversimplified process. But the things that people are trying to accomplish, those, those outcomes, those end goals, and the process to that are all driven by the same things that are our desire to be known and loved and you know those really core human things are all the drivers all the time so that set of filters or that set of conditions those very human emotional conditions um fundamental conditions really kind of help me not worry about well is it this or is it this you know again i don't say that to say like it's going to make everything generic but we're all driven by the same stuff so it does help me just Remember that that person like me has these needs and has these desires and how does that, and, and, and they're coming from a different um, approach towards those desires. So how do I use that to effectively and, and um, just, you know, just effectively get to the end game there? Right. Yeah. Okay. I think I got it. And for, and for people, younger people, what, what would your advice be to for them to, in regards to consulting? Like, would you would you wait until you're a more experienced designer or would you try it out and then see what happens or how would you i mean based back on your work isn't it it's, it's how good your work is i suppose that's how experienced you are uh, yeah. well I, th I think a younger designer can still facilitate a consulting situation in terms of they can come to the table with questions from a, a design perspective right from from a design basics perspective at least and help that even as a young designer they can say you know I, I may not have 20 years experience but i do understand the basic tenets of good design and i can walk you through those and if that's all we do in this hour and that helps you move forward somehow maybe even hiring me then would you like to have an hour conversation i can at least set that up or you can say you know i, I may not have done this for 15 or 20 years or whatever but if you're willing I, I, I can assess what I see and maybe bring some suggestions to the table. And again, if you think that's valuable, I'm willing to make those edits to that piece for you or that set of pieces or whatever. If not, I hope for the hour that you've paid me for, I leave you with some information that you can hand off to somebody else and that designer, maybe an in-house designer, for example, can take that work or that, that stuff, that information that I gave you, that feedback, and they can apply that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really, I think, a very healthy way to approach a consultancy, whether you're super experienced or you're not, because the, the motivation is the same, that I want to offer some feedback that 
I'm going to do everything I can to give you the most useful feedback we can in the time allotted. And again, what I said there is really important. I think it's great to say to people in that situation, I'm going to give you a document at the end of this hour after I've compiled our notes and I'm going to, you know, of course, nicely design this document for you, you know, and give it back to you. But I'm going to give you a document that says, here's what I, here's what we learned in that hour or two or whatever it was. And tell them up front, the goal of that document is to give you information that you can take forward from that conversation. Whether it's me doing it, which would be great, I'd love to be that guy, or if not, tell them up front, if not, you should be, I should write this in a way and communicate this information in a way that you can hand that off to another designer. Right. Dude, I, I can't think of a better value statement to give to a potential client than that, because you're not trying to be a greedy able, what you're just saying, I'm truly trying to give you communication information that you can use. Right. Who doesn't want that, you know? So um, it's, it's a suggestion, but I, I have used that several times and it's a very effective way of helping someone see that it's not just about me doing work. It's about me trying to help you have the information that you need to move forward in some way. Yeah, I guess that's, that's more of a selling point than uh, I need to ask you loads of questions then, uh, then we'll find out what's going to happen with the design. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. I'm interested to know how, how has the military affected your process, if anything, or, or like giving you day to day life? Well, basically, if, if people don't sign my proposal, I, I show up at their house and I put my boot in their neck. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, honestly, dude, I, I can be a remarkably undisciplined person for the former Marine title that I can claim. Uh, yeah, that's the truth of it. Right. There's no, there's no magic there to, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm deeply grateful for my time in the Marine Corps. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I saw some things there and did some things that I will never be able to do again. Um, but I, I don't know that it, I think the one way that it informs me now, still all these years later, is I look back and realize I'm really grateful to be doing what I do now, to sit at a desk or stand in front of somebody's wall in their space and draw on their walls versus humping a pack through a field or, you know, I, I never saw combat, but everybody knows the same thing. You, that, that is part of your reality when you sign up. Um, I mean, and in short, I mean, I, I live a charmed life. I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I, I I am deep, while I'm deeply grateful for my time in the service, I don't miss it. I like what I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, I don't know. I just wondered if uh, um, we're drawing from your uh, talking about inspiration. That's what I was going to go to next. The video you did for Nudge on YouTube, I think it's about a four-minute clip. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a really, really good piece. It actually took me back a bit um, when you said about inspiration uh, is so much only so much value you can get from looking at other people's work yeah. and then you know you look outside and you've got to go and do stuff and we talked about that a little bit last time could you touch on it again about getting out there and actually like how bikes like cycling and, and riding a bike frees your mind up because um, i've got the same situation with football like I'm, I'm not thinking about work and it just allows me to step away and, and step into some other life it's great yeah, um, there's a couple of sides to that that you're describing. One is like with football, there's a there's a healthy thing there, just physical activity that contributes to brain activity. You know, that, you know, study after study that I can't quote because I'm not a scientist and I never will be. But there's but there's a pot. We I think 
any sane person would agree there's a there's an absolute benefit to getting outside, which is the bicycling thing for me, the football for you. Bicycling is just this amazing, simple exercise. And it's the movement of it, it's the freedom of it. I can go on and on, but yeah, it, it, I, I do so much creative thinking on my bicycle and I'm not even trying to. And I, I hope that people hear a podcast like this and think, you know, what's that activity for me? Maybe I don't even know, maybe I've never explored and, and they would explore. But the other side of it is the creative inspiration thing. And I still feel the same way about that as I did when, when Charles and Jason and I filmed that piece here a couple of years back, that Pinterest is not gonna help you. Pinterest, Pinterest has gotten worse actually since we did that. I've looked. Yeah, so many more ads now. <laughs> and, um, and I don't think they're effective. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a loaded topic that I feel very strongly about. So I'm pausing a bit here to have some restraint. Wow. But I think there's, a, on a positive note, I hope that people would realize that these pre-baked things on our devices are just not serving us well. I know with the gray hair, it sounds like, oh, he's the old guy. And he's just bitter or whatever. I just know the, the pleasure that I have from going to the art museum or observing things in real life, drawing people in real life or animals in real life. Again, so many activities around that kind of thing. It's just good for your brain, good for your hands, good for your muscle memory. That I would encourage people to just try it. The filter on all that is put this thing down because it's it's just pre-baked stuff that somebody else already thought through why will that help you but i know the answer because i'm guilty of it too i get lazy and i start you know and never all the good ideas i've had in the last three and a half years of Megas design have never none of them have come from tangents of somebody else's creative work it's always about a notebook or sitting there with procreate and just doodling and, and writing down questions in a notebook, um, sometimes just getting away from creative work altogether. Uh, again, a variety of ways that they're not complicated, but none of them revolve around sitting there and looking at Pinterest or Dribble or any of those sources ever. Because I know that it's not an effective way to find a creative solution and a real original idea that's gonna effectively serve a client and their clients. Yeah. Okay, yeah. end of rant. No, no, it's good. I like to talk about it. It's important to talk about it because it, it, if we keep talking about it, then it, it might make a change in someone's life, like one person listening to this. So you never know. Um, yeah, I think it's... I hope, so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what other... Do you have any more other examples? Like, get, I'm trying to get people to relate to the what you're talking about because if, if you keep mentioning stuff that might be relevant and might pick up on something that they think they haven't thought of yet. Instead of just going on to other design websites and looking at inspiration design from other designers that's already been done and you don't want to try and copy them, how, how are you taking inspiration from physical things? How, how are you storing that in your memory and then it coming out later on in subconscious? Um, there's two other things that come to mind. And I know I've mentioned one of these a couple of times in different podcasts, but one of them is travel. It sounds so horribly obvious, but let's be honest. The reality is, and I don't think you're guilty of this, but a lot of people are, just get out of your conditioned environment, whatever that typical thing is, your city, your country, whatever. You've, you've got to open up your head to new experiences, new smells, new cultures. And I'm not suggesting that that means everything has to be this you know, exotic travel thing. I happen to be in a place in life where I can do that and I'm grateful for it. Um, deeply grateful for it. And I've got some stuff coming up this year that is kind of mind boggling actually what we're gonna take on. 
in terms of that. But just getting out of the town within your own state here in the U.S. or you know, traveling to different, the U.S. is a remarkably diverse country in terms of environment, landscape, culture, that I would, I would offer that a cross-country trip or a multi-state trip is not a complicated thing to pull off if you've got a couple, three days. Yeah. Uh, or a little longer for cross-country, of course. But it'll peel your head open as far as what you see. So that's, that's one way to do it. Um, locally, so like travel, I mean, part of that travel experience that's wonderful is opening up yourself to conversations with strangers. It can be really fascinating in terms of what you learn. You know, what you thought you knew before you had that conversation and now you're walking away with what? Really? That's cool. But locally speaking, another suggestion would be buy, a, uh, buy someone coffee, someone that you trust, a, a colleague, a friend that you know will give you honest feedback. But sit down with that person, buy them a cup of coffee, buy them lunch and say, I'm bouncing a couple things around here and set the agenda. You know, don't, don't blindside them with it, but say, hey, would you meet for coffee? Because I've got this project coming up and I feel like I'm just a little stuck. Would you be willing to take a look at a couple of things and just give me the raw feedback, man, good, bad, or ugly. I always say to people, good, bad, or ugly. Tell me what you think of this. And like I said earlier in the podcast, people love to speak and be heard. And that's, think about, think about internet forums. It's why they're so wildly popular is because it's me being able to give my opinion. And if you're wrong, 10,000 people will call you on it. But in the case of that intimate local conversation, you're asking someone to be an expert, to share feedback. Who wouldn't want to do that? And I mean, or at least give you some type of feedback. They don't have to claim to be an expert, but just say, well, okay, you said you're trying to achieve this. Based on what you showed me, I think this really does a good job of that. And here's why I think that is. Is that right? Is that where you're right? It's a conversation. Yeah. But all to say, just like looking at unique um, inspirational sources for creativity or just like traveling outside of your comfort zone physically where you live every day and walk every day and drive and all that every day, that conversation may just simply in a, in a half an hour, an hour, trigger something. Janet, for example, my wife is so good at this with me. I come to her and I say, here's what I'm trying to achieve. Here's a couple of things. What do you think of it? And if anybody in my life will give me honest feedback, it's her. It should be like, okay. Like I did a poster last year. I, I, I should have had it here. Well, whatever. It's, it was a poster for a brewery. I couldn't come up with an idea because there was just nothing to draw from. The, the brewery was called, the beer was called Motor Breath for a local brewery here called Four String. And I was told, make a poster for Motor Breath. And I looked at their current branding and it had skulls was the current thing. And that's why I picked it. I'm like, hey, yeah, skulls, sweet. Skulls yeah, skulls. Skulls. <laughs> so I said, is, is there anything else I need to know? I asked some questions, you know, tell me about background. There's nothing, just do whatever you want. With the skull head, oh, I'm sorry, critical thing, she was born with ram horns because I thought that would look cool and unique and eye-catching. So motor breath, the kitten born with ram horns, sitting in this um, GTO, now dead, with motor breath coming up, the word motor breath coming up and out of her skull. That was my mm -hmm. weird idea that this, I wanted to you know, come up with this crazy character behind motor breath that people go, what? Just make him look twice. I showed it to Janet and she goes, okay, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. It's so weird, honey, it's just, it's too weird. <laughs> And I'll tell you, man, I was kind of on a timeline and I'd taken this pretty far before I showed it to her. Big mistake, right? Nobody should do that. But I did. And I decided to roll with it. And uh, even though 
I had just received probably really good advice, which was this is too dark, too weird, too tint, too out there. And we printed the poster with uh, my friend Jess Hinshaw here at Upright Press here at the Fort where I work. We printed it and uh, sales were okay, but just okay. I think people looked at it and they were like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? <laughs> anyway, tangent there, but um, yeah. I think another way, I was thinking another way uh, you could do uh, and take inspiration from even if you're designing for alcohol beverage company uh, the beers that they're doing have a drink of them and see, see what they taste like see what, how they make you feel are they smooth beers maybe do something soft and, and rather than looking at other beer packaging that's like one of the main things you shouldn't do rather than going on to Pinterest and looking at other beer packaging and other, other um, brewery logos and stuff like that just go on have a drink <laughs> and think about what, how it actually makes you feel uh, yeah. I guess it's quite easy for food um, Maybe looking at the product or looking at the service that they do and how to make you feel is a good bit of advice. That's a great, that's a great idea. Um, so that goes back to that emotional issue. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, the word feeling, right? So between trying to find a feeling or an emotion attached to that, and then maybe even behind that is a story that drives that emotion or that feeling. You know, the reason that we don't see a lot of that stuff is because it's so doggone hard to get there, you know, to find to come up to come up with an original story, even when sometimes it's too far out there, like I did. Um, but an original story that creates some kind of emotion that that is so incredibly hard to do. So a lot of us designers, I've been guilty of it too. We just kind of cop out and we make that pretty looking design. And yes, it looks nice. And people go, wow, you know, the, the, your fan club will be like, Hey, that's great. I love it. I can't wait to wear it. And that's sweet. But you know, and I know that down underneath, it was just a nice design. Yeah. So, man, that's that's the hard part. That's why this is work. Yeah. Um, what are your core values? Because I, I want to ask you that. I think that's an interesting question. See, you always come up with these these like deep. I got some more for you in a minute. <laughs> oh, I, I figured you would. My core values have changed over time. Um, even in the last, I, I, I'm always trying to evaluate those things. I shouldn't say always, but I can I consistently evaluate those things, and uh, that's heavy stuff. Um, I'll cut to the chase. My core value is I want to be a follower of Jesus. And um, man, I just read this book called Not a Fan by Kyle. Did you hear that one? That was loud. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, um, I'm losing his last name. If you look up Not a Fan and first name Kyle, it'll pop up. It's a great book because he unpacks this idea that a lot of, a lot of people, myself included, call ourselves fans of Jesus, but following is a radically different thing. It was a sobering book and um, it really hit me. I, I'm just finishing it this week. And uh, so I could just stop there and say, that's my core value because there's so much attached to that and uh, so much challenge attached to that in this crazy culture that we live in and with my own brokenness and, and you know, all the, all that stuff that's so hard to unpack and deal with that, that alone is my true core value um, on a lighter note in terms of design. The other core value that I've mentioned throughout this podcast is that I will always come to a project, always bring an idea to a project. Mm. And, I, and hopefully I can execute that in a way that is that shows the hand of the maker behind that. In other words, not just some cookie cutter execution or you know, a vinyl application on a wall. Nothing wrong, sometimes vinyl has good reason, but a lot of the work that I do clients hire me for it because 
they can, when, when their clients, their customers are walking through that space or they're seeing that thing, they realize that was actually done, truly done by a human. I know that robots are programmable to do things that look very hand-drawn and that, that's scary. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It'll make me cry. But, um, but that's, a core, that's a core value yeah. is that have I brought an original idea to this? Yeah, that's good. Keep going back to rabbit one. It's just crazy ideas. Yeah. Um, what's something that you do on a daily basis that other people should do? Oh, man. You always come up with these questions, Mark. Goodness. Like I'm... Some, They're the most interesting questions. Like you find out who yeah, you are as a person. Man, that's, there's a lot. I think that has been valuable. To, like in the past several years, I try to eat more plants. I'm not going to say the V word. I'm not going to do it. Don't say it. But um, sorry. But uh, Jen and I are trying to eat more plants all the time, and it's made a pretty radical change in my health. Um, so that's that's a really great thing. And um, right in line with that, that we also do together as much as we can is just exercise, you know, just work your body. And I say this as an older guy now that I look back on years of neglecting it and, and pretending that I'll make, make up that time at some point. And you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, it's, it's sobering too, but I love looking at, uh, or there's a one verse that says, um, we're not promised tomorrow. That's powerful, you know? And, and um, I was thinking about this the other day and how, and there's a song out there like, uh, live like you were dying or some country song or, you know, something like that. And I think you can, you can hear those kind of tenets or those, hear those kind of songs and pretend that you could actually apply that on a daily basis and live this hyper intense, the last day on earth kind of thing every day. Well, that's not reality. You know, you have a bill or two to pay or you have whatever, you know, common things to get done in a given day. Um, Yet there's, there's something powerful about, keeping that kind of thing in mind that I'm not promised tomorrow. And, and so one of the, actually another core value that comes to mind in the light of that, I'm, I know I'm babbling a bit is um, how can I, how can I serve somebody besides me today? I just found, or especially over the last several years, uh, last few years, especially that if I keep applying that towards it in a daily way, like I wake up and go, okay, God, who can I, who can I serve today? It's remarkable how that will play out in your life. If you keep that in mind, First thing in the morning, remind yourself of it, whether it's an alarm that pops up, you know, who am I serving today? Maybe that's the way you ask the question, you know, because I've done it that way too. Because often the answer comes back to me, right? I'm getting mine. Do what I got to do and survive. It's empty at the end of the day when every day is stacked up like that, serving yourself. So on my best days, I can look back and go, man, we, we did something great for that person. Even what feels like a small thing, you realize had a tremendous could have a tremendous impact on them, and 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 maybe and maybe you'll never know the impact because it's not about oh look at all the great things I did. It's just like again apply yourself and serve that person well, whatever that looks like, and then walk away from it because it's not your responsibility to to receive praise from that. Just do it, let it be, and move on. You know, and that's a good day. So what's that like? Like client work, or is it like buying people coffee, or buying people a drink, or like, like meeting people, saying thank you to people? Or yeah, that just that, right? A simple please and thank you. A simple yeah. how many years of my life have I forgotten to just take a moment in a day and say to somebody uh, something, some kind of encouragement that's specific to them, not some token thing where I'm really wanting to get something back from them, or you know, some no. Can I really objectively just tell that person this thing you've done? Here's what, here's what, not just say, Hey, that's a great job, but say, you know, I see A, B, and C in this, whatever those things are. You already know that because you made it, but I just want you to know as an outsider that I really 
love what I'm seeing here because of that. And I, and I hope, I hope you can, you know, just take that with you today. Not for my benefit or cause I want you to say, Oh, thank you. Ugh. It's like, you just want to say, you want to run away, you know? And, but, but, but finding those opportunities again, starts with just a mental shift right. of asking yourself. And it's, it's again, it's like, it's kind of how I pray and on a good day. My head's in the right places. Okay. You know, show me those people that I can, I can help today or serve. And to your point, whether it's a, a thank you or just being polite, holding the door, those are, these are easy things, but you know, the harder stuff is, I think the harder stuff, especially being in an urban environment is the homeless population, which here in Columbus isn't, isn't bad at all, really. Mm. Um, compared to places like LA, right? LA is just, LA is, if people hearing this have never been to LA and they think they have a homeless problem, go to LA, mm. you'll see the reality, the darkest reality of what the homeless situation looks like. And I'm not, I haven't been to India yet. I understand that will make, that'll make LA pale in comparison. But anyway, we have our share of it here. And so I'm always wrestling with what kind of addiction is driving this guy's behavior. And am I serving addiction or am I actually be able to help him in some way in the course of my busy day, all the things that I have to get done. You know, it's that kind of stuff on a human level outside of client work and, you know, spending time with my wife and things like that. So. I guess being more human rather than just going through it like a robot. Oof. Um, well, it goes back to my core value. The, the, the hardest challenge for me is, you know, I, I'd like to be remembered as, as uh, someone who followed Jesus well. And what scares me is that people will remember me as a, as a, as a guy who designed well, which in a worldly way is obviously very rewarding from a you know, human praise standpoint and, a, you know, culturally and financially and all that, but just doesn't have the kind of impact that the first one does, you know, being able to wrestle with that and pursue that. And I know it's not part of your podcast, but that's the honest answer. You know, that's, that's what I'm really trying to get after. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it will be a challenge every hour that I have. Yeah, I was trying. I was talking to Jeremy about it, and I was trying to get my head around it all. Yeah, like why certain things? Like we were talking about earlier on, why certain things happen at certain times. Yeah, it's crazy things to try and understand, and it, it just, it's something that like sort of goes beyond the human brain. Like you just can't fully get your head around this huge thing that's happening. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's one that I'm going to keep trying to plug away at and try and get understand more of. Um, yeah, talking to you. Guys. <laughs> The challenge is like, and maybe for you too, is like, we're just, we're so inundated with information and media and things that we think are important in a given day. Because yeah. again, I, that's where I'm, I'm guilty. It's like, I'm, I'm re I read this book on addiction last year and I got to a chapter, he, he breaks down multiple lines of, of addiction, which he starts with things that you expect, you know, um, substance abuse, right? And then he starts to get into some other areas that you don't think about as, as being addicted. And I got to this chapter that just was called stress. And based on the book and how the pattern had gone so far, I knew exactly what that chapter was about, which was that we can be addicted to being stressed out. The, the addiction to urgency or the addiction, you know, the addiction to um, tension, you know, because it makes us feel important. Right. And I put off reading that chapter for a while because I'm like, oh man, this is going to nail me to the wall, you know? So, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I'm still there. I still struggle with that to be really stacked up on the schedule makes me feel important. And, uh, the reality is if that intensity is making me miss out on things that are more important because I'm too blind and stupid to, um, pay attention to the cues, 
and pay attention to that addiction to being you know, that self-importance um, of being busy yeah. I'm just on the wrong track yeah well you feel really good though after you've like, had a really productive day you've, you've done lots of stuff yeah. I mean you think about it this way we were designed to work not as a bad thing but if you believe you know uh, in in that in that story you know how the bible sets it up it's like we're we were designed to be caretakers of this earth in a good and positive way before the fall of man before we decided to exercise our free will and break away from the program and go you know later you know that's the reality of it um so yeah to 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 have this this work thing is a good and healthy thing i just can over index on it and pretend that you know a 12-hour day is normal it's not you know i mean it, it shouldn't be yeah but I don't know, I can't get my head around because it, it's like, yeah, but if you're enjoying it and it's it's all going well, I know you may be a bit too stressed, but like getting that good feeling out of it, I know then it becomes like that addiction again, doesn't it? Like if you're getting the good feeling out of it, then it's going to keep happening and you're going to keep wanting to do it. Oh, I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Balance, man. Like Janet says, balance is, is the thing. She's right. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. Especially if you want to get somewhere if you've got ambitions and you want to do something yes uh yeah you're everything on it everything or nothing sort of thing that mentality yeah but yeah thank you very much for doing this again i appreciate it uh, where can people find you and um say hello to you on social media still on instagram at instagram.com slash mangus design and uh still on twitter same handle mangus design and of course mangus dot design on the web nice one thank you very much thank you mark <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Uh, this chat was really invaluable to me. I, I really learned a lot from Dylan. And it was great to explore the world of consulting, which I haven't done much research into myself. So this week's listener of the week is Chris Bliss. Thank you very much, Chris. He's actually been on the podcast before as well. Father Blissmas. He's got a great story about how he's met Brandon Jules and illustrated a poster for them. If you want to be next week's listener of the week, please do leave a little review on iTunes for the podcast, Creative Warfare Podcast. That'd be amazing. Thank you very much. Um, have a great day. I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.